Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. I'm Dave Detman, also known as Dr. Get. I've got a new podcast called The Big Idea. And every week I talk to inventors and visionaries who made it big in their respective industries. We'll tackle weekly trending tech, provide inside tips for your success, and go deep dives on the latest and greatest innovations. And I know you're going to love this part. I'll also have plenty of free giveaways. Who doesn't love free stuff? So listen to and follow The Big Idea with me, Dr. Gadget, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast One, and wherever you get your podcasts. Would you love to save money on insurance? Well, of course. Who doesn't love a good deal? Well, when it comes to great rates on insurance for everything, GEICO can help. Insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, RV, even homeowners, condo, and renters coverage. Save even more with a special discount when you bundle coverages. Plus, add the easy-to-use GEICO mobile app and 24-hour roadside assistance, and the switch to GEICO becomes a no-brainer. Switch today and see how you can save. Simply go to GEICO.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator. DeAndrea here with Bill Goldberg. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> it's been... Uh, Gage's 16th birthday week is over. Thank God I can catch up on my sleep. Birthday week? That's like a 33-year-old chick thing. <laughs> Trust me, man. what it turned out to be. It was like a three-day ass-kicking of my sleep pattern, basically. That's what it turned out to be. But uh, hey, he had a good program. That's good. And he's so, driving to school every day, which I'm terrified about. But he's, yeah, other he, than that, we're good. He's driving the Bronco. I saw the picture of him in the Bronco. He seems very excited about it. I'm sure his friends are digging it. And, uh, uh, you know, and now he's just got to be on his best behavior to keep it, I guess. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he. I hope he takes care of his whip. What the fuck? I mean, that <laughs> never came out of my head. Yeah, yeah. Ball. Is whip. I thought we were actually over that term by now. Anyway, uh, is that the equivalent of a dad joke? Yeah, I <laughs> go. Uh, Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com. Always a pleasure. Welcome back to the show. You're uh, you're you're not uh, you're not in the neighborhood this time. You are you're over the pond. So I appreciate you. You're still uh, joining us. Thank you. I've gone back to my roots. Just <laughs> topping up the accent. Yeah, right uh, it's really weird to be a place in a place where you sound normal yeah <laughs> yeah that is good that, I, I could see that now uh everyone running around saying mac e <laughs> must say mac yeah, e. yeah you no longer sound charming and eloquent yeah now you just sound bland and normal like everybody else <laughs> yeah. how's it feel to be again uh, okay, so we got a, a bunch to get into. It's 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 been a minute. 
Uh, I know you've been out. You've been driving a handful of cars. There was definitely some things that we've been texting about. We wanted to catch up about, but I, I, I want to get started with um, the Lucid. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the Lucid. You got a chance to drive it, and uh, you know, obviously, it's new. It's getting a lot of press. Uh, you know, some accolades, I guess, but. You know, I understand it's very difficult to make a car from scratch, as as I think Rivian is starting to feel, uh, not just making a car, but making a company behind it. So, uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on on Rivian? Oh, Rivian or Lucid? Lucid. I'm sorry, Lucid. Yeah, I'm feeling a lack of lucidity there, but um, <laughs> another dad joke for you. Um, it, it's. It, it's really interesting, Matt, because we waited a long time to get behind the wheel of this thing because we were always adamant that we wanted to do like a full test on it. We didn't just want to dr- – I mean, we drove it very briefly back at the launch in September, but we had to wait quite a long time to prize a test car out of them, which we eventually did, and we took it down the track and ra- ran all the numbers on it. And there are so many things about it which are terrific. The the packaging, the amount of space that you get for the footprint is so much better than something like a Mercedes EQS. It's fast, it's capable, it's, the efficiency is really good. I mean, this was the Dream Air range edition, so it's kind of like a PR stunt to, to get a mega range figure to sort of you know, create some publicity. But it's still the first car we've had that genuinely did over 500 miles in our, in our independent range test, in 505, I think it was. So there are so many things in its, in, 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 in its favor, and so many things that you think are, you know, are, are potentially really really stand out and, and world beating. The challenge we had with it, and we, we, we called this out, and we've had various conversations with, with Lucid afterwards, is there's just a lot of build quality issues. There were some problems with perceived quality, by which I mean like the touchy-feely stuff. Yeah. Um, but more, more pertinently, there was also just a lot of things going wrong, both software and hardware. So sometimes your phone would connect, sometimes it wouldn't. Sometimes Spotify would, but mainly it wouldn't. We were actually filming a sequence on an issue with the, the rear door not shutting properly when the front door completely seized. And if you watch the video on the YouTube channel, we, we actually captured this in real time. And there was just a series of problems during it. We had the car for, uh, for a couple of weeks. Um, and there was just a whole bunch of problems that we experienced, software, hardware, perceived quality, build quality. And the whole thing just feels like, you know, it wasn't quite ready. And the car that we had was a very early production car. But, you know, they've been making these things for seven, eight months now. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say, it's won a bunch of accolades. And most people have driven it and said, you know, it's great. And the fundamentals of this car are superb. But there's also a lot of things that they, you know, they need to fix and evolve. And as you say, building a new car is incredibly difficult. As Tesla found out, as Rivian is finding out, and particularly as Lucid is finding out. But... You know, being honest about it, the Rivian that we had is it was in better, you know, better state than the than than the Lucid that we have. And I'm sure they'll get there. And when they do, the fundamentals are that good that, you know, I'm sure be a winner for them. Um so, you know, we remain optimistic about it, but but right now there's there's a bunch of stuff that they need to fix. And quickly. Uh, that aside Tell me a little bit more about the car. How does the car, let's assume the pieces worked, right? Let's just assume they'll be able to get it worked out. Uh, uh, you know, obviously they're, gonna, they're going to have to, right? It needs to be at least on par with, with everything else that's out there. What, what's the competition for this car um, and some of the characteristics of the car? Like 
Does it compete with a Mercedes S-Class? Uh, it doesn't have to be an electric competition, but some other luxury sedan competition, where does it stand? Obviously, it's fast. It, you know, is it comfortable? Is it easy to use? Is it, does it handle well? Is it, does it stop? Like, how is it as a car before we get into is it as a car company? Yeah, sure. Uh, and it's so this is basically a luxury sedan and you're quite right that we shouldn't just see it as EV rivals now. It's a basically a luxury sedan. The car that we had was pushing 180 180 grand, but actually, you know, it's going to start at uh, sorry, 170 grand, but it's going to start at a, a, you know, at under 100 eventually. So really what what this is lining up against is things like the Mercedes EQS, the Mercedes S-Class if you want to go down the gas-powered route new BMW 7 Series and i7, uh, Tesla Model S, which, is, of course, is, is aging a little bit now, um, uh, Porsche Taycan to a certain extent, although that's a, a slightly different kind of car. So it is it is a big, comfortable luxury sedan. It's sort of about the size of, size of a Mercedes E-Class, but inside it's as big as a Mercedes S-Class, so they've done a terrific job with the with the packaging and then you know in common with everybody else they're also going to bring out an suv version that will Mm -hmm. be the next um that'll be the next big lucid model Uh, you know i got a chance to look at the car but i didn't get a chance to get in the car um you know it was just you know it was on display and it was kind of like roped off but the doors were open and stuff and and yeah to your point it looks like it's pretty roomy inside it looks like it, it, no real issue with you know with a guy bill size driving that car around no f- for sure uh, it's a it's a big comfortable barge you have that slight problem on, on the cars with the big batteries you still have that slight problem that your knees if you're in the back your knees end up round your chin because of the battery pack underneath the floor yeah but on the cars with smaller batteries they're going to do what porsche does and basically leave a space for your feet uh, so that problem will be um, alleviated to some extent. But yeah, I mean, they, they, they've, the interior is, is nicely designed. It's a good sort of blend of screens, but with, you know, some actual physical buttons as well. Uh, I think I said in the video that, you know, Lucid is, because the guy who now runs Lucid was uh, Tesla's sort of chief chief project engineer. And it, it does, the whole car feels like it was designed by an engineer, not by a kind of, you know... <laughs> mad billionaire yeah (laughs) right yeah it's an interesting design as well Um, this this weird kind of two-tone kind of roof and body you know coloration thing is interesting and the front of the car i don't know why i just keep thinking robocop like it just has like that robocop kind of helmet kind of thing looking uh, out of the front of the car but interesting and when you see it in in person, it's it's sharp looking. It's very futuristic looking. It feels it's it seems bigger and lower than than just kind of like the stance seems to be right. When you guys brought it out to your to your test track, how what sort of norm numbers is it pulling? Is that, I mean, it, they brag about it being fast as hell, but it's also massive. It is, but. Um... Yeah, they were claiming. Uh, so, so the, the car that we had was the the Range Edition. Um, so, when they launched it, they've got something called the Dream Air Performance, which has one thousand one hundred eleven horsepower. So that's more than a Tesla Plaid. But then they also have the Range Edition, which is nine hundred thirty three uh, thirty three horsepower, but is desi- basically is running on nineteen inch skinny tires, designed to all about hitting that kind of. 
um, that that range figure that uh, that that becomes the headline then that every that every everybody talks about. So we, um, as I say, we hit five hundred and five miles, but this is this is probably the most undertired car that <laughs> I've ever been in been involved in. They, you know, you've got nine hundred thirty three horsepower, skinny little all terrain tires, so you could light all four all four wheels up very easily by squeezing on the throttle. So you get wheel spin all four wheels, even with all the all, all the gubbins going off and even with it weighing as much as it does. And the front of the car comes up almost like a powerboat. You know, if you get into a speedboat powerboat and, you, yeah. you know, before it sort of gets on a plane and the whole front of the thing comes up, it was exactly like that. And you experience that a little bit in cars, in fast cars, with the weight transfer, but I've never experienced anything like that. It was like being in a powerboat. And, <laughs> you know, the braking, the braking and the... It, it's... This one's kind of a PR stunt because you've got the the air the the performance edition's all about going fast, the range edition's always all about going fast. So when you try and put it on test track, things elements of it elements of it fall apart. So it was, um, you know, the braking and the and the ultimate grip weren't weren't necessarily great. Um, and Lucid actually came to us and said, right, what we want you to do is do the range test on the 19 inch rims with the all season tires. Then do the performance stuff. We're going to give you some 21s or some 22s with stickier tires. Then you can do all the rest of the performance stuff. And we're like, well, we're not going to do that because, you know, maybe Jay Leno does or somebody, you know, but he's got guys to fit tires for him. You know, nobody else <laughs> keeps a set of rims in the garage and then swaps them when they want to go fast or swaps them if they want to go fast. So we said, okay, if the standard issue is 19-inch skinny all-terrain tires, then let's, let's test it on that. And that's, that's, that's what we did. And how'd you do? Is it quick? <laughs> Does it, it well, is quick. Clearly, it doesn't hook up. <laughs> uh, it doesn't hook up, but you've still got a lot of um, you've still got a lot of uh, uh, a lot of thing. We, I'm just looking. I'm just having to double check, Matt, what we uh, what we did on our our, our zero to sixty because they're claiming two point seven, and I knew you were going to ask me this, and I can't off the top of my head remember exactly how fast it went in straight line. I think we were around two and a half, so we we sort of moderately. Uh, we we moderately um, beat beat their time, but I mean it's still brutally fast. All these things are brutally fast, right? Yeah, I mean what you're saying about it's the traction issues and that type of tire, even that type of speed is 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 blistering fast. But I I guess when you start to crunch the numbers, when you put the skinny kind of all terrain tire on there, uh, what does that do to the stopping distance? Does I mean, because it's now it's a big, heavy car, right? With a ton of power, uh, it can get up to speed very quickly. But does it have enough grip to stop? Well, I mean, tires is. I mean, basically, when we did the the stopping from sixty, you know, it was one hundred and twenty-seven feet, which is very much on the on the long side for uh, you know for a modern car. But a lot of that's to do with the all-season tires. Now we're going to talk later about the you know Cayman GT uh, GT4 RS that I drove the other day, and yeah. so what people I think what a lot of people not as kind of passionate about this as as we all are, and a lot of the listeners are. Tires make such a critical component to to how a car behaves, and the Cayman was on Pilot Cup Pup, Cup can't speak Pilot Cup Sport Two R tires, which are basically super soft hand-cut slicks for the road yeah and that makes an enormous difference to braking and uh lateral grip and the to, in order to increase the range the lucid was on these all-season tires so you know we did hit we did match the 2.8 to, to to 60 but the stopping distance of 
Um, you know, the, the the stopping distance wasn't great, and on the skid and on the skid pad, we were you know we were we were we were well under under one G, which is uh, you know which it, which it, which is not great either. But that's very very tight. That's very very tire limited. I think we did a point eight nine G, which is kind of respectable for a sedan. But you know, re- you know, a, a sports sedan is is pulling one over one G, and I think the the Tesla Plaid was well over one G. I mean, these are all impressive numbers, but I I kind of feel like with with the range that that vehicle has compared to everything else out there, right? We're not nitpicking, you know, five, ten, fifteen miles of extra range here. Like Lucid is arguably so much further ahead than most of the competitors that are maybe floating around 320, you know, 300 to 350 range. If they're at 500 plus in the range version, if you put the sport tires on there with a little bit more grip and better handling, better stopping, I mean, even if you drop down to 450 range, like, isn't this still like the car at this point, right? (laughs) It, it it is my. I mean, the other thing that you know, we we've talked a bit about some of the the issues with the car, but there there are some. I say there are some fundamentals that are fantastic. If you look at the uh, the efficiency, and, and sooner or later we've all got to shut up about range because range is just a function of like how how big the battery is and then how well you optimize right. it. Efficiency is actually the 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 real driver of how how good a vehicle is it if you, if you like. And the Lucid Air range we we measured at twenty eight point three kilowatt kilowatt hours per hundred miles. Now the Mercedes-Benz EQS 450 Plus that does 29.5, so it's significantly it's significantly worse and doesn't have anything like the power of the um, the power of the Lucid. I mean, in some ways that just shows how disappointed we were with the Merc, which we all expected to be, you know, a bit to be superb and has been really disappointing. But the Lucid, you know, there, there's some fundamentally really really good and clever engineering in this car, and I think when they get the build right and when they get the you know sort out some of the little niggles. This you know this is a proper car brand with some you know some proper engineering chops behind it. You know I haven't had a chance to dig into the company itself too much, but does does Lucid have? Uh, for, I guess the easy way to say it does Lucid have the infrastructure and the money to solve these problems? Like where are you going to get these things serviced? What sort of infrastructure is there? Do they have cash on hand? Like is this company going to make it? Is this one of the ones that's going to make it? Yeah, I think I I I genuinely think it is. Um I mean if you look at how it's um how it's funded, I mean initially it was backed by by Saudi billions, then they did a special purpose acquisition company or SPAC which I know has been all the Without getting into the the technicalities, has been kind of all the rage of how to how to fund a startup, and you know, depending on which day you look, you know, it, when when I wrote the piece, it was valued about forty billion dollars, which was about the same as Rivian, and I know, you know, with the market has been up and down like a well, not so much up, more down like mm-hmm. a yo yo, yeah, not really like a yo yo, just down, <laughs> just down, um, but um, just Thank down, you. just just down, but yeah, I think I think they are, Matt. I think there's enough money behind it i think there's enough expertise behind it that um you know i don't think it's i, I genuinely don't think it's going anywhere you know i think of all the the startups at the moment lucid rivian obviously tesla's not really a startup anymore you know and then you're sort of seeing fisker on the rails and all the chinese brands and everything else but yeah i think it's a it's a proper company in here to here to stay for sure okay yeah bill what do you think what do you think of the lucid i, I- that's the best news I've heard. I mean, you know, 
if they have the capital and the ability, if they have the capital and they have uh, um, some of these new gimmicks that are good enough, then they can accomplish what they set out to accomplish in the beginning, hopefully in a short period of time. And, uh, you know, I'm extremely interested in every single thing he said because, you know, obviously being a, a larger than normal human being, that, that's, that, that's a huge opportunity to get into a new vehicle on the cutting edge that has the range that they do and the, the performance that they do. And I was just curious to, to hear all of that. I mean, I come out of it very positive um, because I respect his opinion, obviously, uh, a great deal. And uh, it's, it's, it's tantalizing. I mean, I've been waiting for numbers on that car, and I've been actually waiting for him to get his hands on it to give us the reality of it. But, you know, if it's that big and that technological, logically advanced and they have the capital to make it right, then, you know, I'm, I'm uh, positively anxious. So yeah, it's it, the building. It's the hard bit. It really is. Yeah. And it's interesting, like Fisker have gone a different way on this, where Fisker are actually getting it built by a company called Magnister in in, uh, in Austria, who also been build things like Mercedes GLB. They're building new Ineos and, you know, it might cost you a bit more, but you basically probably got a guaranteed product because these guys really know how to build cars. Doing it from scratch mm-hmm. is super difficult, and you need to get cash flowing in. I mean, you guys know this. You're entrepreneurs. You got to you've got to get cash flowing in. So, so often we saw this. I was talking. You know, we saw this from McLaren even going back in the day. You know, the, the MP412C was launched too early because they had to get it to market and start to be. You know. So they've probably done a bit of that here. It was probably launched a bit early. They've got some early adopters who will probably just soak up the adulation of having the latest new, you know, the latest mm-hmm. thing. Um, but it worked, and then do I do think, what Tesla I, did? Didn't it? Didn't it work? You know, with them coming out early and, and professing all those numbers, even if after you've gotten in it, it has its quirks, then they sure did shock the market with the numbers that they were throwing out and get the attention and probably the capital behind it. Yeah. I mean, the weird thing, the weird thing about it, and I think is not, you know, has been, they've got a lot of, let's say they've been given a pretty free ride uh, in the media. I think they've been, you know, they've been focusing on influencers. They've been, you know, people haven't, I I know people have had various problems with the vehicle and not many people have talked about it. And, you know, our view as Edmunds is this is we're on behalf of the consumer and, you know, we don't give Ford a free ride. We certainly don't give Tesla a free ride. We don't give Mercedes a free ride. So, you know, if you're spending 170 grand on the car, you need to know what you're buying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we called it as it as it was. And, and it's, uh, you know, that that that's the challenge. You know, how long will it take them to get it right? And, you know, I hope by the time they get into the eighty thousand, ninety thousand dollar car, then. You know, there's sort of some of these problems as a scale for production. But, you know, you look around the world at the moment and nobody can build a car. I, I mean, I'm not just talking about building it right, but there's just a, it's 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 chaos out there. I mean, I, we, I did the Ford Lightning launch and Ford has shut the order book. And I, I said yeah. in the video, I don't even saw it. It's like the last time I drove a Ford, you couldn't buy it. It was called the GT. <laughs> yeah. It, it's insane. I'm driving an F-150 50 truck where if you walk into a dealer tomorrow and say, I want to, you know, he's saying, I haven't got one. I can't have one. I mean, it's crazy. The world, yeah. it's, uh, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary market at the moment. It really is. It, it is. But, but what I must say about Lucid overall is that as 
the three of us sit here as car guys, the numbers that they originally professed and the quality they originally professed. And I know you have to treat every car, every manufacturer exactly the same on a level playing field. But I do believe, and you can hear it in all of us, that we're just hoping that it can be true as car guys, right? Because it seems like it's got the combination of old versus new, old and new a little bit, you know? Um, and the astronomical numbers they came out with in the beginning, I mean, I'm just hoping it's true. I'm, I'm, that's why we're not – I don't think we're giving it any more – I think the only reason why we're giving it more of a chance is because we want it to happen. That's all yeah. I'm saying. I, I think that's right, Bill. And I think you know we all love the industry. We love the pro- we know we love the products, and you, you you want it to succeed. You want it to be good because it's kind of you know it's that plucky startup that we can all kind of associate with, and it yeah. looks cool. I mean, I've, I haven't driven a car in a long time that got that much attention. Yeah, you know, I, well, I, I think there's so much of it. The, the, there's so much of it to like, and you know we're buying one. Edmunds is buying one. Yeah, um, it's actually on its way. It was supposed to be on its way from te- te- from Texas. Um, and it should be with us any day. In fact, as soon as this is over, I'm going to send an email chase and say, you know, oi, where's the mechanic? That's awesome. I, I mean, if, if, the, hope, you know? if the warranty issues don't become a financial detriment to the company, I, I think it's, you know, they've got some growing to do. But yes, the, the car excites us. As enthusiasts, it's fascinating. We're, we're looking at so many car companies coming out with, uh, with EVs that, you know, they're don't excite. I mean, they're they're fine in their two hundred mile ranges, and they're you know they're trying to get it all into the you know fifty thousand dollar range. And then we've got you know a Rimac that's a couple of million bucks and batshit crazy fast. And then all of a sudden you get presented with a Lucid that goes, oh yeah, for you know you know hundred plus you know hundred fifty anywhere between ninety and you know whatever two hundred thousand, which is not two million dollars, right? And go, yeah, and it and it's, and it's getting the range, and it's getting performance numbers, and it's got space in it, and it's like, yeah, it it, it it's just it deserves the attention all, that it's we're, getting. We're all secretly rooting for it, <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't mean that we're giving it slack, right? We just, yeah. you know, we're giving it time to catch up. Yeah. That, that's uh, personally, that's how I feel. Yeah, and you know they they are out there. The weird thing at the moment, and we've just driven the um, Toyota BZ4X, which is um, not the best name ever for a car. Um, it is. I had to look it up to make sure I got it right. Um, it is. It, it you know that the, the the weird thing on all of this. If you think about where the Japanese brands were on, when I worked for the Honda Formula One team a bunch of years ago. Uh, they, you know, it was all about the Earth Dreams. I was part of that whole Earth Dreams project. And, you know, they were leading the way in environmentalism. Honda, Toyota, you know, Toyota, you think about the Prius, it owned hybrid, didn't it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're so late to the party on the EV stuff. And now you hear of them deals with GM for platform sharing and stuff. And I think that's been the biggest shock of all is like, you almost imagine that the Japanese brands would have been leading the charge on this and they're just not. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And and for startup companies to be such a worthy competitor to the legacy brands is, has been interesting. And we'll get into that in a it's second. Idiot. Yeah. It's if, the Lucid is, if the Lucid can fix the build issues, yeah. it is better than Mercedes EQS, which is an extraordinary achievement. It's yeah. huge. 
Yes, that's exactly kind of what we were leading up to was how is it going to effectively compete with those with those brands. But um, tell us real quick about the uh, uh, the Cayman, the GT4 RS. It, it looked fantastic at uh, at LA Auto Show. It just seems like a wildly fun enthusiast car. Uh, and it, where Porsche has always kind of held the Cayman back a little bit so it would never leapfrog the 911. And now it just kind of seems like, ah, eh, we're so close to making the Caymans electric. Fuck it. Let's just make the coolest Cayman <laughs> out there, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember, like when I started my job, there was an Australian journalist uh, 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 who, who really esteemed journalist Gaggle Peter Robinson, who, who turned to me and said, "I can't do an Australian accent." Basically, you know what, mate? Every every car is a shit box until proven otherwise. <laughs> and I've always kind of held that as a mantra, and and we talk about that a lot. <laughs> and then you get in like the GT4 RS, and you go, "Ooh, so <laughs> like where's the where's the issues here?" Yeah, it's a. It's an apps. I mean, obviously, as you know, I drove the GT3 at Road Atlanta last year, and it's a wild, wild ride. We measured the interior noise at 103 decibels. Now, <laughs> anything above 85 is apparently bad for your ears, but you know, and it's not a linear curve um, decibels. So it is brutally loud, and all the noise. It's a bit different to a GT3 because the air intakes are basically like in stereo around your ears. Yeah, what you're actually hearing is much more intake, whereas on a 911 you hear a lot more exhaust. The, it's it's off the scale. The braking is the best. It's the best braking we've ever recorded. And around our test track, it's like where we normally brake, you have to kind of like count to two and then hit the anchors. It's the grip's phenomenal. It's not as the ride is is stiff, but works on the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 911's got more tech. It's got more, you know, it's got rear wheel steering and things like that. So, is it a sophisticated GT3? Probably not. Is it is it more fun in a very kind of visceral way? Yeah. I mean, I it was just I drove it all day at the test track, and I was knackered at the end of it. It's so loud. It's 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 just like it's a toy. They're not trying to pretend it's any it's it's anything other. You could take it for a weekend away. It would it, you know, it's still a Porsche. It would handle it. You know, nine thousand RPM, super loud, mid-engined, but also a tiny little car. You forget how small a Cayman is these days, which makes it super agile. Four ninety-three horsepower. Yeah, I mean, they basically said, right, next, as you say, next one's electric. All right, then build it. Yeah, you know, shut up, marketing guys, go build and it. What What I love about this is is unlike Lucid being a new company, this is Porsche just kind of laying down the gauntlet and saying, we are the best at what we do. And we just want to remind you every once in a while, we like to remind you. And now we're just with a sledgehammer, we're reminding you how good we are at what we do. And the time, the experience, the motorsports background, just, you know, the platform that they design, they're just taking something uh, like, you know, this came in and just making it absolutely amazing. Yeah, we had it on our low grip surface at the, at the at the test track, which was designed to stimulate ice. I remember Walter Roll, who was the German double world rally champion and Porsche test driver for many, many. He still is. He's an old boy now, but just an extraordinary guy. And he remember him telling me how good a Cayman was in the snow. And on the low grip surface, we were just like sliding this thing around, and you could do a kind of a full lap as a sort of sideways in a kind of ballet fashion. It's um, ice dancing, I suppose, but it, it it's a it's a wonderful thing. It's, I mean, it's super extreme. It's a toy. You know, it's, it's, it's not as easy to live with as something like a GT3 even. But, you know, the car I was in was close on 200 grand with all the toys on it and everything else. But what a thing. It, it's basically, they'll sit in the museum and saying this was like 
everything we knew about how to build an internal combustion sports car, we threw it at this car, and then we went off and did an EV. It's it's that car. It's yeah. really good. And I know the thing these days is to, is to buy up these specialty cars and park them and never drive them and let them accumulate value. But I, this is just one of those cars that I, I really wish that people that buy them really have some fun and drive it and, and participate in a couple of track days or, or you know, maybe some whatever Porsche club is doing and, you know, inviting Porsche owners out. And, like, if you're only going to put, you know, a 1,000 miles a year on that car – I hope you're doing it at a racetrack because it just seems like it'd be fun. You know, if you're just going to drive it a little bit, you know, drive it to the limit a little bit. (laughs) And it does that amazing Porsche thing that, you know, we take it down the track, we thrash it all day, we do all the performance figures, and then, you know, you cruise it back to the office. Yeah. Right. And it's it's funny because out here in L.A. where we are, it's like that's the car. Like you drive it to Willow Springs, you race the piss out of it, and you drive it home back to L.A. You know, <laughs> and you know, we talk about oh, the Lucid did this or the Plaid did this. You know, this thing still did zero to sixty in three and a half seconds, and we were slightly disappointed. We think it was a little to do with the surface, the day, and the tires, so maybe it wasn't quite optimal. But you know, you're never going to get in this thing. Oh, do with a bit more power. And I think on the uh, on lateral grip, it was point zero one of a, a G off the Lamborghini Huracan STO that we had in, yeah, which is twice the price. Yeah, so. Um, it's a yeah. It's a cool thing. All right. So now buy the house, but, but sell the house. Sell the house. Buy the car. <laughs> sell the house. Buy the car. Uh, all right. So the 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 middle of the ground now is Ford F one fifty Lightning. There was a driving <coughs> event. Apparently, you were right in Bill's backyard. You didn't go bang on his fence and see his zoo, but uh, uh, you guys were very close to where he was. And now we're talking about. Ford, a legacy car company, taking a vehicle that they have a lot of experience in selling and building over the years, electrifying it. You know, we're all kind of excited about what it potentially could be, but you had a chance to drive it at the event. What What's your thoughts on the Lightning? Assuming you could order yeah, sorry, one again. <laughs> I didn't realize quite how close I was to you to put something on Instagram, and, and Matt was like, I think you're literally over Bill's fence, but I, I had no idea. I was, only there, I was only there for sort of day and a half. I was going to say, Bill probably um, would have heard you guys out there, but the damn things are electric. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful part of the world. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, do you know what that's really interesting that, about it? We, you know, we always like chart out the year and what's going to be really big news. And, we would have all bet our mortgages on the combination of like, we know what, what people are interested in, trucks, EVs. And so you've got an electric F-150 and we're like, this video is going to do like hundreds of thousands. Everybody's going to be talking about it on social. Very little. Like, I think the video's done like 100,000 views or something. The, the, you know, the Lucid one's done, uh, you know, 350 or something. But it's, we were really disappointed by the response. I don't know if that's because people feel like they've they've heard it all before or they're sick of it or... I don't know, but it hasn't captured the imagination like we thought it would because it should and because it's actually a really good thing. It, it's it's great to drive. It's got independent rear suspension, which the normal F-150 doesn't. It's super fast, you know, 0 to 60 in about four, four, four bit seconds. Mm-hmm. It's, it's super quiet. It's super refined, super comfortable. You have all the practical benefits of a normal F-150 plus the huge frunk. You've got all the power supplies on board. The only thing it doesn't do, and I think this is this is really important, 
we did some tow testing while we were there. We did some hauling testing. If you're, I towed like a eight thousand three hundred pound boat, and immediately the range calculator went from three hundred something miles to like one hundred and sixty. Now, if you're serious about towing a race car or boat or whatever it may be, you're going to have to be thinking about like where do I charge this thing every hundred to hundred and fifty miles? And at the moment, the infrastructure can't cope with that. Or even if you want to take it to the lake and come back, if that's a hundred miles plus, then it's going to be getting a bit hairy. So that was the big issue with it, that actually if you start using it for like as a hauling, towing truck, then the range will really suffer. But if you just want a nice big truck for, you know, fetching the kangaroo food or whatever it is, then, you know, it's great. And of course, there's something really nice about being, especially we did some off-roading, there's something really nice about being in a silent truck off-road. Yeah, yeah. Look, I was thinking about the towing and stuff. I saw your comments about that. And I don't know, it's just kind of like the same thing I would say, you know, you're driving your your 220 mile range EV around town and you want to take a trip to Vegas or something, then you, I don't know, rent a car, rent a Tahoe, rent something big that's, you know, plenty of room and, and fill it with snacks and whatever. Kind of the same thought if you're going to hit the lake, you know, a couple of that's times bullshit. a year. There's a couple no of times way. A you got to Truck to use it as a truck. Come on. Well, what I'm saying is, is you do use it as a truck, but you use it as a truck certainly uh, around town within limits. And for the workforce out there that lives in their truck and is doing stuff around town all the time, even with a trailer and you know stuff in the truck, or you're building your big shark cage and you're filling it up with with gear, and you know if you're getting 150 to 200 miles of range per day around LA in your work truck, you know, we'd like it to be better, but it's not terrible. Like they, they must've given some thought into the amount of range. Cause you know, how many times if we keep hearing, Hey, you only need 200 miles of range. You're not even going to use that most times during the day anyway. So you can charge a car up at night, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. The truck seems interesting. You know, we all wish it had 500 mile range. I still think we're all like two years away from pretty much all the EVs being in the four to 500 mile range. You know, we're just a few years away as we're starting to figure out how to cool them, how to make them lighter, how to make them more aerodynamic, battery technology, software efficiency, like all these little things that are going to creep into the new versions of of all evs but in the truck space if your if your range goes down uh 25 to 50 percent if you're towing i think that's a no-go i think i i fortunately i think bill bill's right okay i think you know that, that that's the that's the elephant in the room at the moment maybe when the infrastructure catches up and you feel then you, the anxiety goes away because ford was making the argument that the range is no more affected on an EV than it is in a gas car. So, you know, if you're towing with your, you know, your, F, your F-150 EcoBoost or whatever, then you're going to lose, you know, your, your fuel consumption is going to halve or double, depending on which way you look at it. But there's a gas station every 100 miles right. in most places in the country, and that, that's the critical difference. But just if you can fix that problem, just judged objectively as a, as a truck, as a thing, you know that's the best F one fifty I've driven. It's 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 a it's a terrific thing, and it, you know it's a proper full size so truck. In other words, it would sell in California, but it wouldn't. There's no way that thing would sell in Texas because ninety percent of the people tow. 
It's just yeah. I mean, Ford. Ford, I think, said of their F because they they research all it. I think they said seventy five percent of F one fifty owners tow overall, and which kind of you know is what you're saying, Bill. An eighty percent tow less than ten thousand pounds. So the max it will tow, depending on your configuration, is about ten thousand pounds. And you know, so yeah. I mean, there's loads of clever stuff on board. Like you've got built in weight scales, so you can chest, you know, see how much your load is in the back. And every mm-hmm. every single car is preloaded with its uh, each by VIN with you know its max payload, depending on you know what options you've got and stuff. It's it's great in so many ways, but yeah, they've got to they've got to solve that issue. And maybe that's why they'll you know sell hundred hundred and fifty thousand a year not nine hundred thousand a year or six hundred thousand a year whatever it is and it's an interesting point something that that tesla's cornered the market on but uh you're right the ford engineers everyone at ford sat down and and literally made the best possible ev truck that they can make and you know like you said put it up against you know a five liter ford or an eco boost the towing range is about the same except you can stop at a gas station and seven minutes later be on your way it seems like Ford did everything they possibly could do within their control because they can't control the charging infrastructure. And I don't know why, for the life of us, uh, uh, the companies that are building the infrastructure, um, for the most part, it seemed terrible. I, I mean, it's just constantly pulling up to charging stations and they're out of order and they don't work or your credit card doesn't work. And it's like just flaw after flaw after flaw. And it's just like, what's, what's going on here? Like, where are these companies? And I haven't done the research on the charging infrastructure companies, uh, charge point and charge America or, or whatever they are, but it's like, uh, who's behind them? How are they getting funding? Who's building their equipment? Because, we keep tar- talking about having chargers available, but we're definitely going to have a conversation soon about making quality chargers, right? It's like, how is this stuff going to work? More frustrating than no charger is a charger that you think is there and it doesn't work because now you're you're yeah. driving in and you got screwed. yeah you got 13 miles left on your on your well, on your well, battery and you think you think it's you know there's light at the end of the tunnel in Blythe where there's a <laughs> charger and you realize, well, that goddamn thing doesn't work. So now what do you, what do you do? Well, the other thing is if you're towing, normally most chargers, you can't arrive with a massive boat on the back and pull up and charge it. Yeah, that was the, that was the other <laughs> issue. So, ah, uh, you know, then you got, do you have to unhook that shit and leave it off of the side of the road, you know, a quarter mile away from the charging station or, or, or whatever. Yeah. This came up with, with some of the Tesla charging stations as well. It's like, what if you have gear and what if you're towing something or, you know, you get into a certain angle or a certain way. And it's just like, I, I don't well, know. Well, the other thing, thing that's, the other big thing that's winding me personally up at the moment is I think there's a lot of misinformation around, so-called level two charges, the sort of thing that you have at home, which are fine if you're plugging it in at eight o'clock at night and you leave at eight o'clock in the morning, that's okay. But, you know, every shopping center and Whole Foods or whatever it is is installing these charges and saying, hey, we got EV charges. It's hopeless in anything with a bigger battery. It's a waste of time. You know, you're going to add a handful of miles if you go do your grocery shopping. Right. The only the only charges that really matter in something like an F-150 Lightning or a Lucid or a Rivian, whatever, are the fast chargers. So they've got to stop saying we've got, you know, 10,000 new chargers. You know, actually, how many fast chargers have you got? Because that's all I care about. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you, you, you know, 
living out here on the, in California, in the West Side, we're in Venice. I can go to Santa Monica, go out to dinner, charge it in the Santa Monica Mall, and when I leave, I. I got just about enough charge to cover my trip to the mall and back, right? You know, like, hey, you went there, you had dinner, whatever, you're, you're walking around, you're out for two, two and a half hours, you come back, you got nine miles of charge, <laughs> right? And I was like, well, it was about five miles each way, so it only cost me a mile of charge, you know? Uh, so, yeah, something to think about that. And by the way, that that's not the 120 volt, you know, plug in. That's what you're talking about. Like you, you, you plug into the infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about the 240. The, 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 yeah, the, the sort of a, thing that you put in at home with, you know, 50 amps or 60 amp breaker or something like that. And, and, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, and the, the lightning that will give you like a free home charging with the lightning has got some interesting tech where it basically has two charges on board, one plug, but two chargers, but then you still need to install that at home. And then you're going to need probably a hundred amps, in your, you know, 100 amp uh, fuse. I'm no electrician in your, yeah. in your, in your box. Now, like my whole home system at the moment is like 100, and I've got to upgrade it to 200 so I can then get like a 50 amp charger. But you know, you can't. You've got to. There's all this game that you've got, yeah. to play. and we've all got to do it right. It's going to happen. This and it's going to get better and better. But it's kind of frustrating because the product's great, and then you're still fighting this infrastructure issue. Yeah, that was actually one of the things that that's come up a few times on the show with Adam Carolla. Him being, you know, have a construction background, he was like, "Yeah, I get it." He goes, I, "I, you know, I want the charger and I want it to reverse power. I want the lightning to to power my house, and then want my house to power my my Ford Lightning." He goes, "But I got to cut." half my garage down just to get enough juice in here. And he goes, and of course it's always like the breaker boxes on one side and then the plug has to be installed on the other side. And, you know, here we are $7,000 later and you're still doing wiring on your house, right? Like the amount of, of, of power that, you know, to get to what you're talking about, this 80, a hundred amp, power source in your house for your vehicle, that's not an easy feat. I get like a lot of new homes and apartment complexes and stuff that are starting to realize what's ahead of them. But, uh, you know, but retrofitting something that's older is is a pain in the ass for sure. I'm, I'm sure, Bill, you've given it thought onto the garage that you're building, how much power you can bring into that, because you're trying to future-proof it. You're looking at that garage going, hey, this is what I need now, but what do I need in 10 years from now? Right? Or, or right. Yeah. and even if you, even if you moved someplace else and you sold the place, right, the new owners are like, what sort of future proofing do we have? Like we have this really awesome garage and does it handle, you know, 50 amps max on a, on a, on a charging station? Like, and then, you know, and what you have to go through to, to get that amount of power to the building. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, believe me, uh, right now is absolutely the time to take every one of those into consideration. So you don't have to retrofit afterwards, but you know, who, who knows what's going on five years in the future, let alone, even further than that, but you you do whatever you can. I, I you know, we've yeah, got and we're fitting yeah. a fast charger at the. Yeah, go ahead. So, sorry, Matt, I didn't mean to cut you off. We we we're fitting a fast charger at the office because we can't wait twenty hours for a Lucid to re, to to recharge, yeah. and then we're stuck in the permit. Mm-hmm. So, like, this has been dragging on for months now because nobody wants to sign off the permit and the inspection. It's half oh, for God's sake, you know. Listen, even in the warehouse that I'm renting, it's a it's an older complex, and uh, I had the electrician over there just to wire up some outlets. And I said, hey, at some point, I'm going to do an electric car in here. And he said, well, where do you want it? I said, well, right next to the garage door. 
on on one side of the garage door is the panel, and then up and over on the other side of the garage door is where the plug is. And uh, you know, he's looking at it and he's like, Well, look, you know, at the panel, you can't get that much power. You can get about uh fifty or sixty amps at the panel. I said, All right, well, you know, it's not the best solution, but it's better than uh than nothing. And he said, Yeah, but the wiring is only gonna carry about thirty to forty amps. You know, I think he said forty amps, forty five amps max. And I was like, All right, so that's where I'm at. So now we'd have to go through change the wiring up and around the garage door just to get to the 50 amp. And if I wanted more than that, I don't know what he's got to do. He's got to go out of the panel into the, you know, to the meters of the big thing at the, at the complex itself and start cutting up. And by the way, that's a lot of work for, uh, for a place that we're renting. Exactly. (laughs) You know, Uh, anyway, it was a thought. Um, I appreciate the thoughts on, uh, on the lucid, certainly the Porsche, the lightning, uh, before we wrap up, I know you got your hands on a few other things, but what else do you want to uh, what else do you want to tell us? What's going on? Uh, we didn't even talk Nissan Z, which we've just driven. Uh, we just launched a video on that. Um, how is that? You yeah, there's just tons of stuff going on. How is I, I didn't drive it myself, to be honest. I mean, general feed general feedback was that it's on the same chassis as the 370Z. Um, so it's, there's, you know, there's a few compromises there, but it's still a 400 horsepower rear drive manual coupe. So it's still a, you know, it's still a fun thing that I, I personally think looks, looks, looks pretty cool as well. Um, what else we got going on? We just took delivery of the Rivian. You can have to have me back on. We took delivery of the mm-hmm. Rivian. Yeah. Uh, Lucy's on its way. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really busy time. I'm, I've got to hot foot it back to LA and, you know, leave the mother country. I, I'm I'm interested in you guys getting some time with the Rivian because we talked about range, but you had mentioned several times efficiency, and I, I I'm hearing things about the Rivian not being very efficient, how much power it takes per mile. Although I'm really starting to see a lot of them on the road. Like I've mentioned before, we've got one of their offices near us in Venice, and I'm seeing them on the 405 around the neighborhood, parking lots. And every time I see it, I'm like, you know, I kind of like it. Like, it's a cool-looking truck. It's kind of a good size for around town, and, and you know, it stands out. People is getting their attention. But, yeah, I want to see after a, after a little bit of time – of you guys owning one, actually owning one, not a not a press car for a few days, but just owning it and seeing what you guys think. Yeah, the one that the one that we had, Matt, just for, as a as a parting shot, the the Lucid did twenty eight point three kilowatt hours per hundred miles. The Rivian forty six point nine, so twenty eight point three to forty six point nine. Now I know it's a truck, yeah, but it's still a. <laughs> You know, that, the, the Rivian remains the, the least efficient vehicle we've ever tested on the EV. And I know it's a truck. So it'd be interesting yeah. to see what the uh, the lightning does when we get our, we get our paws on it. And, and look, you could always make arguments as the technology is going to get better over time. If you, if you have a house and it's solar power and you're trying to get some of the less expensive to free energy, whatever. But we got to be able to compare these vehicles apples to apples somehow and and – you know, we've always got our performance and handling testing. We've got range testing, and efficiency is going to be one of those things as well. So, uh, already is Edmunds.com slash range. <laughs> yeah, wait that that's all the that's all the cars now. At that, all the range and efficiency. I can't believe you haven't got it bookmarked. Well, I've got Edmunds.com slash news. I've got that one. That's the one I go to all the time. 
range. So edmunds.com slash range. <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, Alistair, always a pleasure. Enjoy uh, enjoy Europe, because I know you're not just parking it in, in the UK. Uh, you've got family and friends to see. Enjoy your warm yeah, beer. I'm just buying all my Jubilee. I'll bring you a Jubilee beer back. Swap you for a Bravago. <laughs> okay, let's do it. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Would you love to save money on insurance? Well, of course. Who doesn't love a good deal? Well, when it comes to great rates on insurance for everything, GEICO can help. Insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, RV, even homeowners, condo, and renters coverage. Save even more with a special discount when you bundle coverages. Plus, add the easy-to-use GEICO mobile app and 24-hour roadside assistance, and the switch to GEICO becomes a no-brainer. Switch today and see how you can save. Simply go to GEICO.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.